0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right?
2: Hello, 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 hello. Welcome back to the world's biggest and bestest Belarusian football podcast brought to you by the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Manuel Fate, and I'm very, very excited to be back once again to chat about Belarus, the football in Belarus. And, you know, we're actually going to add some stuff today because we have news about other football in the region, so we're not a pure Belarus football podcast this week. But help me to discuss all of this... Um. It's Tim, once again, Tim Bokterchev from Vancouver. Hey, Tim, how are you doing?
3: Life is great, man. I'm very happy to be here on the biggest and the bestest uh, podcast about the Belarus League. Um, uh, we have quite a few news. There was a match day. I watched one game of football. That was great, and I'm very excited to talk to you. And like we said in the in the previous pod, we really enjoy doing those pods, having a laugh, and like hopefully the listeners are laughing and enjoying this with us.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's very nice to actually just see people kick a ball. Um, I know some people have controversial opinions about it. I'm just happy seeing people kick a ball. And I, I, I am very happy to see people in Belarus are taking the, the whole face mask thing very serious. We saw one girl wear a face mask, um, almost over her entire face. I think the nose was exposed. So maybe there's some improvement needed there still. But yeah, you know, that's how it is in that region. Um, half measures are better than no measures. And anyone who knows about half measures and full measures is Andrew Flint, our man in Siberia. Um, Andrew, you know, I see numbers coming out of Russia. They're pretty concerning. And I'm pretty, pretty sure that whatever we see coming out of Putin's Russia, we can just add a zero to zero to the end just to be uh, on the safe side. But how is it going?
0: yeah that's your thanks boys i mean it's it's rather disjointed to be honest for me because i see stories about countries around the world locking down completely and speaking to my parents who have very limited movement because they're well they're, they're no spring chickens anymore and yet here pretty much everything is going on as normal uh um, you know cafes open um not to stay in but to visit and businesses are still working some from home but they're still working um, so really, if you walk out the door in you you wouldn't really know there was a, a global pandemic going on, um, because of course it is being managed so well with so few cases around.
2: <laughs> well, um, let's let's start with that, Andrew. The 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 case count in Russia right now is ninety three thousand five hundred fifty eight, and eight hundred and sixty seven deaths. Um, yeah, as I said, we can probably add a zero to both those figures just to be on the safe side, but. Um, <laughs> You know, football is interrupted in Russia, uh, unlike Belarus and President Lukashenko, greatest president in the world, by the way, a great man, have great understanding of him, love the man. Um, I hope he's actually recovering well in his... um, I think he's still in quarantine after his last week's scare with his teammate getting um, a virus that officially doesn't exist in this country. But uh, Russia is taking this, in comparison, quite serious. And a the Russian football Premier League is currently suspended. Um, boys, we know that matches could either resume on June 21st or June 28th. Now, uh, Andrew, what sort of indication do we have that um, the virus is actually defeated by that point? Or what sort of indications do we have on how are they going to do this are they just going to do this with stadiums with crowds are they going to play behind closed doors what's the decision um in terms of uh,
1: how are they going uh, to handle how,
2: this
0: <clears throat> i mean the 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 first part of your of your question i mean like you say it's very very hard to tell because and i don't think russia is the only country in the world doing this but the exact numbers um how the numbers are being presented vary wildly so it's virtually impossible to get an accurate picture of what is going to happen over the next few months and uh, yesterday vladimir putin made an announcement that he's extending the lockdown in moscow until the 11th of may and that was to be expected it's not an extreme measure. It's always been relatively staggered response. So, in terms of how that will affect football, I'm I'm absolutely convinced that when, and I do think when, not if, the Russian Premier League restarts, it will be without fans because it would be it would be irresponsible to allow fans in this early anyway. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, I I don't know. It's 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 virtually impossible to say. What is safe? You know, we were talking before the pod, weren't we? You know, going back to normal. So, well, normal is not going to be what we think normal is for a very, very long time. But at the same, at the same time, I don't think that means football cannot, if responsibly managed, um, return. So I think what we're likely to see is, I do think Russian Premier League will restart, um, in June behind closed doors. The fixtures will be concertinaed mostly into, twice weekly schedule which i think is if you're going to restart is sensible um you know buy yourself a bit more time basically Mm. so clubs are itching to get back a lot of the well all clubs are doing private at home training sessions and being relatively sensible but they are making noises about how much they want to get back into it and how much they want to get training so as soon as the word is given players and clubs will be right back into full swing very quickly I think generally there is a mood to, to do this and um, not to just close off the league and, and write it off completely. So I expect to see more Russian football within the next two or three months at least.
2: Yeah, so um, maybe to add to this a little bit, we, we know that when, when the football leagues resume, um, we're going to get some answers this, this week, I think, from quite a few leagues. I, I know uh, France kind of jumped the gun today and said they would cancel and then they kind of backpedaled and... Um. We don't actually know if they're going to finish or not. Um, I, th- I think Macron probably made a decision and then got a phone call from Qatar and told, they told him to do something different. So, you know, France kind of back and forward a little bit. Um, the Eredivisie has canceled the rest of the season, have decided not to call a champion, but have now seen a bunch of legal cases, um, mounting because teams don't know. Te- teams are basically want to have the European places. There's examples that Utrecht, for example, is yeah. behind Tilburg, but have one match less, right? And therefore, um their argument is, well, we don't know, maybe we would have won that game I and mean, then we would would be in the Europa League, right? Because they, they the area division has said, no champions, no promotion, no relegation, but um, they're using the standings as they are to determine Champions League and Europa League sports. The team in the second division, Kampur, who are currently first, uh, of course, up in arms because they believe they would have gotten promoted. So there's there's all these ramifications of why you should probably finish yeah. the league because teams would get really upset if you don't. Um FIFA has now come up with a provision today to allow five substitutions until the end of the season um per game, be so that if there is a convoluted thick schedule and that is what we're expecting, I think in in Germany we're expecting basically every every week we're going to have three match days right there's going to be a lot of football on tv um i hope you guys are ready for that because i think like we're all going to go into a massive shock once the football comes back um they're going to say like look teams are allowed to make five substitutions which i think is sensible but you know you look at this june 21st june 28th restart Season finished by August 2nd. Um, how many match days do we have left in Russia now? It's been so long. Eight. Eight. Minutes. That's eight. Eight, eight full yeah. match days, um, played in what's essentially a month. <laughs> you know, um, we're in for a lot of football boys when this does come back and there is no telling if there's going to be further delays, more games cramped into it. Remember too, we have cup fixtures to be played. Um, there's a Champions League final yeah. to be played on August 3rd. I mean, I, I'm glad we had this little bit of a break because if this is all going to come at us, especially for us who are working in the industry, there's, there's going to be a lot to cover all at once. But, um, Tim. <laughs> it certainly is. We, we were kind of chatting about this before the podcast. The, the, the various clubs in the Russian Premier League, where do they stand at this? Because I know that when you look at around different leagues around Europe, um, in the Netherlands, for example, the, the discussions are still ongoing, and the league is very fragmented there, and there were different political parties, almost, you know, like Ajax, Aferenot, and uh, PSV being the three big ones, of course, and the rest of the clubs are all have their very strong own opinions. We know in Russia it's very much the same thing with the Moscow clubs, St. Petersburg, and all the other clubs where they're online. What has sort of been the, the talks with the different clubs, and where do they stand? Like For example, where does Spartak stand? in terms of yeah. resuming the league.
3: Exactly, you're absolutely right. The, the Spartak uh, president, Leonid Fidun, Uh he has, as a businessman, he has an absolutely uh, business vision on it, and he says that there's. he doesn't really see the point of continuing the league, and he explains that uh, from if we be play behind the closed doors, eight games, let's say Spartak has to play, I think, five home games, something like that. So... You still, uh, you know, you're still losing money because you, you're organizing the match day, but you don't getting the match day revenue. So given that Spartak right now is an eight position and we pretty much most likely not going to get European football unless there's a cup. Uh, if we do well in the cup. Then um, it doesn't really make sense for Spartak to continue the league because, really, like there's it just really financially will be uh, not very mm, uh, beneficial for the club because, really, you're just traveling to play away games, you're not making any money at the same time. You are um, uh, hosting home games, not getting match revenue, and most likely, uh, right now, Spartak is uh, the all the players agreed to decrease their salaries uh, significantly, and uh, most likely, when they, you know, the games are back on, uh, the club would probably would have to increase the salaries back to hundred percent. So that doesn't really make sense uh, for Spartak. So Leonid Fedun, who is Spartak owner, uh, has been advocating for just finish the season as it is, and that means that Zenit would be the champions. Of this. On the other hand, Zenit surprisingly are also. Uh, kind of looking forward to continue the season not just get this uh you know the title as of right now because they know that from the other competitors they will be mocked like you know juventus versus inter you know that legendary uh, thing when like the titles were t- taken off from juventus and uh zenith they want they have such a comfortable lead nine points right now it's pretty much clear that they will win the league they want to win it uh, on the football field, and so don't get any mocking uh, from the fans of other clubs. At the same time, we have Ahmad, who, as probably the listeners know, are located in Chechnya, which is a powerful region in terms of it's a special region in Russia, and obviously they're right now in the dead last place. They don't really want to uh, finish the season as it is unless the league would be extended to 18 teams. Uh, so they will keep the place, add two teams from FNL, who are standing first and second so as you can see i'm just like showing you the whole spectrum of opinion which exists so as you can see the clubs are definitely not in the um not on the agreement but uh, at the same time i listened to the interview for valeri carpin who is the coach of rostov um that's kind of following up on your five substitutes idea uh, of fifa's uh, five, five substitutes ideas he says You know what? To be honest, if we have only three weeks of preparation after a month of sitting at home and then we would have to play every two, like two, two games per week, there will be so many injuries. He says, like the the players won't be ready. He says, ideally we need five weeks to get ready. The players won't be physically ready to play in such condensed schedule. He says, I expect to be lots of injury. He says, and I want to stress that Valerio Carpino was super professional about it. He says, we're going to do whatever the league tells us to do, but I would rather have at least four to five weeks of preparation because I'm really worried for my players because we start playing so many condensed games, which makes sense. Like, you have to fit those games, but um, we will get lots of injuries. And... Um, Yes, yeah, so the preseason, obviously, for the next season, will be ruined as well. So it's it's not ideal, but you know, it's in this situation we have to make those those choices. Andrew, how 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 is your club? What uh, what what they would like to to do right now? Because you're in 11 places, the relegation is not dangerous as the thing stands right now. How does overall see the you know the uh, and their president Ivanov the restart of the league?
0: Well, I mean, Tim, you're right. I mean, Ural have not had a particularly great season, um, shipping goals for fun and conceding more than anybody else, uh, which is fairly embarrassing, to be honest. There have been quite a few injuries for Ural this season, but in terms of what they want, I think it's fairly clear that Ural do want to... They're very anxious to get the season going again. Um, uh, go Ivanov, the, the president, has been... Fairly vocal in basically what he views as the priority for the team, which is qualifying for Europe. Now, a lot of people will say that's very ambitious, but they're just slightly forgetting one very, very simple point. He's not really referring to through the league, but through the Russian Cup. And if you look at the Russian Cup draw, since it was made for the later stages, um, Oral have been given an extraordinarily favourable draw. Um, they have a semi-final against Shinny Yaroslavl that was called off at the last minute. Um and the, uh, and they, their opponents, um, are from the second tier. Whereas on the other side of the draw, that's a quarter final, so, um, the other side of the draw is the, well, the best teams left in the cup and the final being held in your It's an obvious, obvious draw. Orale have been in the final twice in the last three years. This would be the third time in four years and it is a route into the Europa League. And, um, for that reason alone, I think will are desperate to get the, the Russian Cup in particular. And you've got to bear in mind as well that now that we're not going to have a promotion relegation playoff, there's only two teams that could possibly go down. Um, and that's only if the season is finished. That means that relegation from the league is pretty much safe for Odell um, at this stage. So, yeah, they're, they're pretty desperate to get going again. Um, and, uh, well, they will certainly be supporting it. And I, I think realistically, I think it's going to happen.
3: And I'm I'm on board with the whole cup thing. I don't care about the league, but because Spartak is in semi-final of the Russian Cup against Zenit and Petersburg, then, uh, you know, like we're pretty much one step away from the final. And given how you said that the other side of the playoff is, uh, well, like you said yourself, is Ural versus FNL teams. Um, Yes, yeah, so obviously that's that's what Leonid Fidon was also saying. He he says, and it's blatantly he says, listen, the league, let's cancel the league, but let's finish the cup because we're in semi final. <laughs> so, like I'm, I'm well, all for it. I mean,
0: Tim, there's, there's one one thing that stands out for me in all of this. You know, when this this discussion about whether to cancel the league or lot, manner you mentioned about the um, Netherlands and, and France, well, at least making announcements, now seeing them challenged or decisions reversed. I think it's utter madness on one very simple level. I'm not saying that the next this season and the next season are definitely going to be completed in all leagues, but if you're going to cancel a season, cancel the one that hasn't even started yet, if you mm-hmm. have to, and finish the one that it, we're already three quarters of the way through. I mean whether that means simply waiting months to start safely again okay because health and safety comes first and if you eventually have to finish this Russian season even if it isn't this calendar year then give the players time to recover give the you know the restrictions around health um room to work why cancel a season that is almost finished Ahead of one that's not even started. Yeah,
2: I 100%. I agree. I agree 100%. Finish the one that you're playing. Um, because then that way you avoid all those legal issues, etc. And, um, you can exactly. come up, we can come up with, it's easy to come up with a format to bridge whatever next year looks like, right? Whatever that looks like. If it's a shortened season, if it's like a calendar year season, if it has to be played as a tournament into different divisions, who knows? but you can come up for a transition year format that all the teams are happy with that will still yeah. guarantee that there will be a champion there will be teams relegated there will be you know peep teams uh, um sent to the relevant european competitions it's much easier to do that in a new format that you're setting up for whatever next season looks like on on a table agreeing having everyone agree on than just cancelling this season and dealing with the Ultimate fallout that that will create both with teams complaining, but 100% teams suing. Um, because I'm pretty certain that's what's going to happen in the Netherlands, um, yeah. or in other leagues, yeah. right? So it, I think it's much easier. As you said, worst case, you play the season into September, October, November. Who cares? Right? You take off the rest of the year and you play the next season calendar year and. Set yourself up nicely for what's going to be a winter tournament in Qatar anyways, right? God forbid yeah. we might be going back to the old Soviet football schedule, but <laughs> you know, uh, you know what I mean? The gist of it. I think that is much more sensible than trying to cut this season short. It's my personal opinion anyways.
3: And- I I agree on this. And I just wanted to add a parallel from the world of business. I work at the bank and uh, our bank had a goal of like going um, very digital in the next four to five years. That was like, you know, strategic goal. They said that over the four weeks we were able to come up to almost achieve the goal, which was in five years. So like we all working from home, we all went digital, we're serving the clients um, from home. Um, so, and I heard those stories from a few different businesses that yeah. you know you ha- you had a long term conversion of going digital, but like within a month uh the companies were able to implement this i think that you know in those like you know those uh, desperate times will uh drive some creative solutions and i think some of those solutions might be interesting so what i'm saying i totally agree with you that yeah you should finish the existing seasons just to avoid any any uh, complications and any lawsuits but going forward the next season definitely going to be weird there's going to be a euro in the middle there's qatar coming up so you have to figure it out but i think by doing by implementing some you know out of the box opinions which uh f- sports fans have been talking about forever for example like implementing playoff system in the league uh, I think would can really create something really interesting, and maybe some of those creative ideas will stick because they will improve um, the, the quality of the football. For example, when Russia transitioned from the old Soviet system, which you mentioned, to the new system, the season was a year and a half long, and in the end, the whole, tea, uh, the whole league was divided into two eights, top eight and the bottom eight. So the top eight fought for Europe, and the bottom eight fought for relegation. Those top eight games were absolutely fantastic. There was like eight good teams and every match day was absolutely mental. Every match day was there was a derby game. The level of games was extremely uh, high. So I'm thinking that if we continue this transition of like, you know, finishing the season and then doing a season in a weird time frame with a short, that could create some very interesting ideas and some ideas what might really improve the game.
2: Ukraine um, played a really short season in their first ever season. Remember that? And they had, they had some, some weird playoff format. I think it was the 1992 Ukraine Premier League season.
3: Yeah, one. WR won out of all teams.
2: Yeah, exactly. Because they had, let me just get this up real quick because it was a very bizarre format. Um, what they did, they had two groups of 10 teams and then the final they played each other.
3: Mm-hmm. For example? So, see.
2: You know, and then they the thing is that it was actually only eighteen league games. So they regionalized the leagues. So if you're Russia, you like you you make a South and a North league, for example, um, with ten teams each, they each play each twice and then the final you have a one off final to determine the winner. Um and uh, you know, maybe have playoffs for Europa League, Champions League and all that sort of stuff, and you relegate the bottom teams and then you reunify it for example uh-huh. right that's that's one possibility i mean it's all been done um, they have been extraordinary times um, for for some of these competitions in the past in germany what they used to do they used to be the different oberligas used to be the top divisions before they brought in the bundesliga and um the different oberliga champions would then play a tournament so i think it was four oberliga champions they would play a tournament to determine the champion at the end of the season you know, so you could do that. You regionalize it. You kind of play in a sort of Champions League. Everyone plays each other like two or three times. Then you like have a Final Four tournament. Um, everyone in the Final Four tournament also qualifies for the Champions League and then determines a the champion. You know, that is a way to do it. Um, I think there is many, many different ways to find a bridge, to gap every year. Um, the worst thing you can do is to end a season on a cliffhanger. You know, you wouldn't do that with a TV yeah. show, would you? <laughs> I mean, <that's> a, <laughs> I, I
0: mean, funny, it's part of this does have a feel of a bit of a a bit of a fast, to be honest, um, yeah. of a performance. But I think uh, I think both those options have a lot of viability in them. As in, you know, cancel next season and just take your time with this one, or add playoffs. When you think of a playoff system. I'm not in favour of leagues being decided like champions, being sided by playoffs as a general sporting principle. But it is at least a compromise between playing a full programme, which, like Vanierie Karpin said, like you guys alluded to, puts a huge amount of pressure in a short period of time on relatively unprepared players, fitness-wise anyway... But it also gives some sporting merit, which I think is absolutely essential because it's a joke to finish a league without full sporting merit. I'm not surprised these legal cases are coming out in Belgium and the Netherlands about, um, you know, the leagues being closed off. So, you know, I, I think um, as long as people just remember what a league is, it's not just a statistic, it is it's something that matters. It's not just entertainment for people you know so many times you see lazy comparisons saying why football is being paid when health workers need to be paid so it's not a choice either or it's it's a business as well it supports people like we are one small tranche of that i mean we're talking thousands and thousands of people and families and their livelihoods and including even the players you know you have 50 percent of the players at least are um earning significantly less than what most people assume they are um, I'm not talking necessarily English Premier League because yeah. the wages are obscene, yeah. but talking Russian football, I mean, we're talking serious stuff. Yeah. Um, my, uh, our, our local team, Fekar Chumen, we had our captain, Andrei Pavlenko. He's a seriously talented player for outside the top flight. He's got two young kids and, and he's had to flit around from Vladivostok to Krasnodar um, Krai uh, to find a team just simply to support himself. And he's a captain. He was one of the highest earners in our league. So that tells the story. Um, it is, you know, these are serious serious matters at play. So to cancel a season is basically cutting out the livelihood of a lot of people.
2: Yeah, and you have to remember too, um, what is it, only about 2 or 3% of the footballers that out there that play professionally have enough money after the end of their career to, to survive with the income that they made. We all see the Ronaldos and, uh, you know, the Messys and of this world and... The very top 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 elite reality is a lot of those footballers if the season are not isn't finished um, we're basically talking about pretty much anyone outside of the top four leagues and i'm not laugh joking here i'm really literally anyone outside the top four leagues if you're not in one of those leagues you are likely losing significant amount of money and we're talking the same significant amount of money enough of that that you you know, your career is in jeopardy and, um, and your livelihood of your family is in jeopardy. You know, um, one of the leagues that I cover, MLS, and I'm not laughing. I cover players that essentially earn a lot less than I make, right? Um, I'm worried. I don't know how they feel, right? So it's, <laughs> there's other leagues, you know, we have the Canadian Premier League here where players now, um, are making less money and they had to forego some of their salary. That's not a joke. I mean, for these players, that is a significant amount of money. And like, And yes, every other industries are faced with this as well. And um other industries, just like football, are trying to find ways to get back going in this new reality. And I think mm. this is something that people are saying, whoa, these rich footballers and all that kind of stuff. It's like, you're not completely wrong, but you're also not completely right. <laughs> because yeah. a lot of these footballers yeah. have wives, families, etc., And some of these footballers are not millionaires. You know, half a season gone, half of the income gone. I mean, how would you feel if you haven't been followed already? Because there's a lot of people like that out there already. How would you feel if all of a sudden 50% of your income is gone? And that's not great. Tell me. I think a lot of people have been in that situation. (laughs) And I mean, yeah, this is serious. And when they're saying we want to get this industry back going... Please, if you haven't made this discussion about privileged footballers, keep in mind that, that reality of it. It's supporting a lot of players, supporting a lot of people, supporting their families. It's yeah. supporting us. I mean, um, Andrew, you and I, this is our main income. <laughs> you know, this sport is oh, our main I income mean- and we have families to support as well. So, you know, that's a reality. That's a reality of life. Um, and I think that is something that has to be kept in mind. And If you cancel a season, that means a lot of money is going to be gone. You know, just well, like an odd industry.
0: Yeah, it, it, man you're, you're absolutely right because there's this. It's that. It's that thing that you mentioned that there's this conception of what all football is based on the flashy, glitzy headlines that we see of Champions League superstars. Well, yeah, that's um like you say a very small percentage. My salary was cut in half um two months ago. Now I'm I'm just about getting by. I'm not trying to create a sob story, but it's just it's the reality of life. And I'm mm. far from the only person. In fact, I'm actually in the more fortunate um, tranche of people that I actually still have 50% of my income. Um, So it is, uh, it is an extremely important point to make that uh, people should not forget the vast majority of, if you count up the number of people involved or whose income is directly linked to football, the vast majority are seriously, seriously threatened by this situation at the moment. So, before everybody jumps on the bandwagon of bashing the rich footballers, just remember the vast majority of football employees, should we say, um, they're the ones who are suffering every bit as much as everybody else.
2: I've said this number many times before. I don't know what the exact number is in Russia or in other leagues. I have this number handy because it was given to me. In Germany, the Bundesliga employs 56,000 uh, people. 56,000 people. Wow. That's a factory. That's there a car factory. That's two car factories, in fact. Um. Th- just think about that before you bash on uh privileged footballers. And then that's also why they're like every other industry are trying to come back, Um, you know. And yes, you're right. There's another soap story. Other industries are going through the exact same thing. And guess what? All these other industries are trying to come back because, Tim, I'm pretty sure your banking industry is trying to find creative ways to get the business back
3: going absolutely it has been so tough like lots of branches are closed because just that was how like the vision was from the government to decrease you know to to decrease the number of branches open so less people gather at the same places but the creative ways were exactly like yeah like i said the goal was to offer the digital service to the clients uh, over the next five uh, four to five years we we did this in in a month with the whole whole thing so uh, i'm sure like you know there's we criticize football a lot and uh, some of the executives, but at the same time, there's lots of, um, a very su- uh, successful business, um, people involved in this. So I hope there will be some creativity and, um, you know, they will be able to turn the football around. I totally agree. I, I hated watching the games, especially the Champion League games without fans. It was just like, it was torture because you know yeah. what it could have been. But at the same time, even though this, I stand Behind finishing the seasons, just to because I don't think it will be fair. Like you, like you mentioned that team who was leading the second Eredivisie. Well, it's not second Eredivisie, second Dutch league. Mm. Like look at them; they probably like you know they invested a whole bunch of money, bought the players. And remember how this legendary uh, story with Championship Club works? You invest so much money that you if you don't com- if you don't get into to the Premier League, you pretty much go bankrupt. But just you take this chance to get into to that to get to this massive money. I'm sure the clubs which are leading the second divisions in all the countries made similar bat and really like went all of it and like invested the money uh, to get some good players and now they go going in their first place they close to 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 get to promote to the to the premier to the top division but they don't allow it to so like there's the, the, i can see how this can turn into massive lawsuits war which is which will be if i were in this position i would exactly do the same thing hmm.
2: They called it the biggest uh, SC Cambours head coach called it the biggest disgrace in Dutch sport. So yeah.
3: Well, I'm not familiar with well, the the history of Dutch sport, but that sounds about right.
2: Yeah. Uh, and I it's 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 a tough one, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh my team 1860 we are about 4 points off the promotion spot and um you know, perfect example. 4, four points is nothing in a 20 team league. And, um, you know, there's about four or five other teams in that range. And they were saying that they're going to maybe promote the top four teams. So 1860 would then lose out on goal differential on promotion on like a league that hasn't been completed yet. And I can think of, if you look up and down the divisions around Europe, you probably can find hundreds of other examples that are very similar to this. So I don't know, it's this, we need to finish the season. That's the bottom line. And, uh, you know, if that takes until October or November, if that takes, you know, under the current format, the season needs to be finished one way or another, right? And then we can think yeah. about how, what 2020, this 2020, 2021 season is going to look like. Um, I think that has to be secondary to everything that we, we do at the moment. And yeah, that's, that's my final thoughts on this. Um, you know, before, before we really, um, think about, um, you know, cancellations, et cetera. Sort that out and, uh, finish it. And if you have to finish it behind closed doors, and then if you have to do that, take a break for a few months, um, have the situation clear up. Five, maybe it will there will be a miracle and it will actually be a vaccination. I'm not that optimistic. Um, I read the other day, the fastest they ever have, have produced a vaccination was four years. So. We're in this for a long run. Um, you know, as our friend Chris Williams pointed out, the, for SARS, they still don't have a vaccination. So we might never find a vaccination for this. This virus could be around forever. You know, it could be simply something that we have to live with. And, uh, and if that is the reality, then all bets are off anyways, because then we're just going to go back to our real life. Um, you know, because we're not going to be able to stop this. So I think there has to be orderly fashions. We have to finish this in orderly fashions. And final point of this, I, bloody hate cliffhangers worst thing ever if you ever had a favorite tv show canceled on you because i have it sucks and i don't want this to happen to 2019 <laughs> 20
1: it would be the worst Yuck. thing
2: ever so yeah um boys we have one small little item well, small news item before we head to the belarusian league um tim Frolov, of Savetov, what happened there
3: Uh, The goalie from the Krylia Sovetov, Evgeny Fralov, he did an interview, and um, he did a one-hour-long interview, which I watched, and it was very interesting because he is just a young goalkeeper, a Russian citizen who plays in the Premier League team, and um, he has been making uh, pretty—I wouldn't say controversial—but he was posting social media stories. Which completely disagree with um, the way government does, and that's why he attracted the interest of uh, the journalist uh, Sergey Igorov, uh, who does a blog and who is a pretty uh, well-known journalist in in Russia. So they spoke for an hour. It was an interesting interview, but definitely the um, what grabbed the headlines were Yevgeny Pralov just openly started criticizing uh, the way the government is handling the whole situation right now in Russia. He said that, pretty much he said, like, uh, for them, and he referred to Moscow, and by them he means government, everything is open, their gyms open, there's, like, uh, other places open which is supposed to be closed, but if you are in a position of power, you have access to everything you want, but for the other people, it, it is closed. And he spoke and he pretty much referred to the uh, Russian population as slaves for the government, uh, that's a pretty much direct quote uh, and um, so as you can hear it was fairly controversial, oh, I wouldn't say controversial because controversial means like questionable he has his opinions and it was definitely said against the government so what happened, he got um, fined by his club Savietov, again which was uh, received with uh, a few question marks because some people say uh, he can speak his mind he did an interview at the same time Devil's Advocate on that. People say that. Listen, like the uh, the Skrylivsavietov is a club which is sponsored by the government. Like you know, we talked many times that some clubs really do depend on, on the city's government. And he criticized pretty much what you call quote unquote their main sponsor. So that was an interesting story. You can take it as as you wish. Depends on which side of of the fans you are. But that was probably the biggest story of the last week. The goalie from like one of the you know, from the team from the bottom, which doesn't get really too mentioned too much in the stories. Really made the made the headlines, and it was clearly really an interesting story because pretty much everyone had an opinion on him. Some people say that the Savetov shouldn't ban him. Some people say that he didn't really obey his professional duties, and everything was supposed to be confirmed with the press officers of Savetov. Regardless of what happened, that was a story interesting and. Uh, definitely was the main headline, one of the main headlines of uh, in Russian football this week. Well, it's,
2: it's interesting that there's at least like some voices, um, of criticism towards the Kremlin um, in regards of how this crisis has been handled because we know that, uh, that certainly would never be allowed in this next competition that we're talking about. You know, glorious president Lukashenko, um, who once again is still in <laughs> quarantine because one of his hockey teammates has a disease that officially does not exist in his country. Um, yeah, interesting. So, because of that, we still have Belarusian Premier League footballer, like Visheshaya Liga, or the best, yes, bestest, uh, topest, supreme league, supreme leader, right. just like the supreme, supreme president. Supremest. Yeah, supremest. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> boys. <laughs> We did our research, our due diligence before this podcast coming on. Um, like many people around the world, we watched some football together. And, and um, yeah, I liked what I saw would maybe be a lie. And <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I've ever seen football being played with so many clear-cut chances and no goals being scored. And th- this particular <laughs> match that we watched, Tobino Shodino against Ruch, I think if they had a striker, um, if either one of those teams had a striker, we would probably have seen six, seven goals in that game. I mean, the defending was atrocious. The, um, the, 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 the way that man marked was non-existent. And yet, for some odd reason, nobody managed to score a goal. I mean, Tim have, I, it's been a while since I've seen something on any kind of professional level, but, um, I think is the result was rather suspicious. I don't know how you <laughs> felt about this.
3: Well, I'm I'm Glasgow full person, so I just uh, attribute this result <laughs> to the low quality of players.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I like your realism. Aldo, although, although number thirty four at roof, uh, oh. yeah, um, every single cross that came into the box, he attempted attempted a bicycle kick. Um, you know, he was always getting in position. He's kind of like that glory hunter that you always used to play with when you were a kid, right? Um, Artem Petrenko was his <laughs> name. Um You could just see he was getting ready. There was one in particular cross, I think it sailed about 10 meters over his head and he was still getting in position for a bicycle kick. He attempted it at once. I'm surprised he didn't break his neck when he fell. Um He also managed to, I think, miss six or seven clear-cut chances. So if you need for a striker to Avoid him. Um, <laughs> he couldn't score to save your life. <laughs> well,
0: man, you, you say that if you want a striker who will entertain you, I'm not necessarily scoring goals, but entertain you. He's your man. But <laughs> oh dear me, I don't know, boys. I mean, the, the the thing is, there's quite a lot. I mean, we've we've including us in this. There's been quite a lot of, um, should we say, yeah, people laughing at the fact that Belarusian football has become popular, but the quality. There is quality there. That's the thing. Uh, like you say, they they, <laughs> they just can't finish to save their life. Um, but the build-up, like some of the build-up play and the pace at which they play is is seriously, seriously impressive. Um, I would argue that the uh, certainly the games that we've watched anyway, and a lot of the games this season for the bestest league in the world, um, have been played at a higher pace, a faster pace than Russian Premier League, I would argue. Um, I'm not saying higher quality, but higher pace anyway. So, um, it, there is genuine sporting entertainment and value and merit in, in following the Belarusian League at the moment. Well, we, okay, because
2: before, before we completely desert, we did also watch a game that had goals. Um, yes. Lots of them. Slotska against Belshina, Um, we saw five goals, attendance 492, including a girl that didn't know how to wear a mask. Um, yeah. I, I I did enjoy that. Um it had quality, it had a red card, it had five goals. Um Drama. Drama. Yeah. Drama is very important in football. I, I think it had all of that. Um Slutsk are now first in the league. Um they're not only the most popular team on the planet, they're also the best. Um uh, yes. no surprise Andrew supports them. I mean he's a glory hunter, so there you go. Um
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> What a dick, what a dick. I, I just I just, I'd just like to qualify that. I'm a glory hunter who also follows very closely, um, FC Men and Steel (laughs) now.
2: That's a valid point. I give you that. Uh, I was in particular (laughs) impressed by Alan Koroev, um, the pass that he played. I think it was before the second or third goal. It it was a great pass. The
0: the last goal.
3: No, second, second goal.
2: Second goal, yeah. Um, I mean, Incredible because I think there was about three defenders on top of him and he still managed to hold them off mostly because they, they were on top of him, but didn't really tackle him. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, we had five goals. Um, so boys, uh, thoughts on this particular game. And of course, Andrew, um, Slutsk are now actually first on, yeah, not only on goals, but properly first. Mostly because, uh, Torpedo Shodino, my team, um, I've also had, yeah, yeah, they could, they should have probably conceded five, but should have maybe scored six. Um. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Manu, Manu, money, Manu, I I must make this very, very clear. Are you in any way suggesting that a team that has suddenly developed a cult following around the world and is therefore generating a lot of interest, potential advertising interest, is being helped to the top of the table, Man, Is that what you're suggesting?
2: Not at all, but I do find it interesting that (laughs) I found some of the advertising I saw very interesting. So, boys, and this is is some of the observations that I made watching these videos. Uh, My favorite was Travel to Belarus.
0: I mean hmm. honestly who's travelling right now?
1: <laughs>
0: I that's like... almost almost on a par with Arsenal having visit Rwanda on their sleeves <laughs> yeah, in the yeah, English yeah, Premier yeah. League. Yeah, that's, that's
2: Actually go. a really good comparison. And then my other favourite thing and I love this, one one of the and I I think I mentioned this pretty early on in the video, Tim. Red fire truck in the corner. I mean that's yeah. so old school Soviet. <laughs> This thing has probably been standing there since the fall of the Soviet Union. It probably doesn't even work anymore. It's basically just, you know, like decoration. But yeah, red fire truck standing there. Um, There was a Harley-Davidson commercial. Yeah, and, and that made me think, did they just decide that this is a good time to advertise in the Belarus League? Or has Harley-Davidson always advertised and there is actually a Harley-Davidson dealership in Shodino?
3: <laughs> given that they have Bilas, the whole fucking massive truck you know they have.
2: <laughs> and yes of course there was lots of advertising for that <laughs> but yeah they, I mean I I should have googled this the Harley Davidson dealership in Shodino in case I ever want to buy a Harley Davidson
0: in Belarus and drive it around <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh I don't know. Um, I mean, you know, guys. In, in all seriousness, um, uh, about about this game, the, the the thing the thing for me that I find quite encouraging is that Belchina, who are struggling, there's no two ways about it, Tim. Sorry, um, I know you love them um, dearly, but they, you know, they they didn't just um, they didn't just shut up shop. They didn't just no. roll over and and accept the result. Um, to come back from two nil down away from home against any side. Is is a decent effort, but especially when you're at literally complete opposite end of the table, I thought it was pretty impressive. So I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna hope that your side, Belshina, do better because if they if they can um, pull some points together, they're playing well. They deserve it.
3: You know what? I was actually watching watch the whole game uh, on on the weekend uh, when they played, and I was surprised because, like, honestly, like uh, Belshina was doing well. Like they had. Not great finishing, well... But <laughs> That's an understatement. Non-existent finishing. <laughs> I'm trying to be politically correct here, but... Yeah, you know. <laughs> Absolutely garbage in finishing, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, because the, the the team had so many chances, and honestly, like if you take a look at any league, well, it's hard to judge a league after just a few a handful of games. But still, a first playing against last, you expect complete uh, violation of or like destruction of that last team. But to be honest, it it, it looked like for majority of the game, Bilsuna somewhat had the territory and um, the goals, which. Uh, Especially the first two goals, which Slutsk scored, was scored in a counterattack after a mistake. Uh, it was a very um, uh, mediocrely organized uh, counterattack, but still, like you know, it didn't look like the first playing against. Especially the first team was at home, so it, it the league is weird. It's it's hard to explain, but to be honest, yeah, like it's uh, another example like the quality of players we talked about uh, the central midfield for Slutsk. Um, his name is Yuri Kozlov. Uh, he, I, I was watching him for a little bit, just how he, he manages the game. He was making very, I would say, low quality decisions and some mediocre mistakes. But at the same time, he looked like a Busquets. Like he was controlling the game for Slutsk. He was so instrumental. But at the same time, I see him and like he was making those mistakes. Still, he looked like he had the whole whole game uh, around. So let, that's kind of like a very like a paradox vision of this of this league, which we love and we absolutely enjoy. But at the same time, it gives us perspective of what kind of European football is. I mean, the
2: main sponsor of the league is a betting company. Um, but uh, moving on, because you're saying it's a very strange <laughs> league. Um, we the, the the team that we play, Topedo, Shudino, oh, we were like. First of all, amazing, amazing shirts, guys, but grey socks with this questionable. Questionable. The other thing that I find extremely questionable, we did some research on a team that was apparently founded in 1923, um, was actually founded in 19 in 2019. A bit of a different time counting there, I guess, in Belarus. Maybe they have uh, Lukashenko can explain this one to us, but um, they were actually founded as the Brest's farm team um officially disassociated from Dinamo Brest in the beginning of this season, yet they have seven players on loan from Dinamo Brest. Seven. Uh, and watch this guys. You know how many players have arrived and departed this season alone from the club? So they have brought in twenty six and they have twenty four players have left. including players in the middle of the season, to Dinamo Brest, Very suspicious, my opinion. That's why we are not first, oh. Andrew. That's why you are first now, because you played the <laughs> scambolic I mean, team from, I, from Ruch.
0: <laughs> I, know, um, I, I think, uh, as far as I understand, the when we say they were formed in 2019 um I, I believe it was actually down to the fact that they were promoted up to the same league as Dinamo Brest, and therefore could no longer be um officially tied together um, uh-huh. so the club has been around a little bit longer than that but um uh, but you know they have been promoted through the leagues but they for appearance sake should we say aesthetically they are not connected in the same way for example that um you know, Red Bull Salzburg and Rasenball Sport Leipzig are absolutely in no way. But they don't play connected. the same
2: league. It's like Salzburg playing in a Bundesliga with Leipzig.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, look. Let's be honest. This this happens. It's not the only country oh, um, yes. in our region where where teams um, where teams do have very strong connections. Then, should we say, at the very least, and maintain them. I mean, it's. It does, it does bring into question the sporting integrity of the league when they, when connections like this are allowed. But then you look in the Russian Premier League, um, Gazprom have three teams and, and very little is really, really raised just about three. It I thought it was four. Education. Wasn't
2: that four? How many do we have these days, Tim? Three? Four? We uh, have.
0: Well, we, we've got Sochi, we've got Orenburg, um, Zenit. I mean, even, um,
2: Zenit
3: one, two, three, Zenit. four.
2: Yeah, it is four. Orenburg, uh, Orenburg,
3: Orenburg Sochi, Zenit one, Zenit two. Yeah, yeah, so, in the first three farm clubs. Yeah,
2: it's handy. Nothing suspicious there though. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, the, the, the transfer movements there though. Um, that said though, Alexander Setnev seemed very, 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 the head coach of who seemed very concerned about his finishing. I was very worried about his health, um, watching the game because he screamed a lot at his very young, inept, uh, striker, number 20, uh, numbers, number 70 34 Artem Petrenko I I call him the uh, bicycle kick. Uh,
3: bicycle kick master.
2: Bicycle kick master, yeah. But yeah, um <laughs> that was my observations for, for for this week's for this week's games guys. Anything that you or guys noticed? Oh, Mohamed at Slutsk. Tim. Um we tried to figure out where he was actually playing. What position?
1: because
2: he, he was kind of <laughs> all over the place. Um,
3: well, again, I can put on my uh, glass half-full hat and say he was playing everywhere. Hmm. He was instrumental for the team, but at the same time, you can have a glass half-empty hat and say that he was dis uh, disrespecting his position and was just like disobeying his where he was supposed to play.
2: <laughs> That's a very good way of putting um Tim, Leonid Koval? He is among the top strikers in the leagues, and he plays for your club.
3: Yeah, he is like an experienced player. Like I said, he had a 30-plus spell in Russian Premier League uh, for Saturn Ramenskaya yeah. and scored exactly zero goals. So you can we- kind of tra- uh, transcribe his talent to, to his, to his um, league. Uh, to, sorry, to the Belarus League, but clearly... Out of all strikers I've seen, and I've seen a few Belarus games, he was the best. <laughs> so, well, maybe uh, number seventeen, Mohammed who was who scored like two goals, but at the same time, uh, he also made some mistakes, and he was. He, well, he scored two goals, but at the same time he missed some chances, and he could have been a little bit better in some finishing. But uh, Leonid Koval is consistent. Like the whole Belshina team, is really depends on him. And uh, it was funny when they played at home. Um, they played a couple of weeks ago. I watched the game, and then the whole stadium was saying. And you can imagine those like <laughs> Belarusian <laughs> hardcore old school fan and they were like, <laughs> It was that was the main kind of like chant which I had, and he tried his best. Um, nah, but yeah, that just again like uh, shows the the level of football where the player who played in the Russian Premier League in the end and like probably about a few 10 years ago. And scored in thirty games, zero goals for uh oh, Sorry, for uh, Saturn, and then he's pretty much one of the best forwards in in the league. Uh, Ten years later, when he is push, pushing his forties, probably. Well, yeah, like. My team is, I clearly made the wrong decision to pick Belshina, who are dead last in the, in the, in the table. Uh, but, uh, you know, you have to stick to my guns, you know?
2: Yeah. And you, the choice is yours. Um, 10 teams in 13 years for Koval, Tim. He's been all over the post-Soviet space. I <laughs> mean, yeah. it's the who is who. His career started with FK Smorgon. No, that's not a joke. That's the name of the team. Uh, K- Kapati. <laughs> Uh, Saturn,
1: F. Carmins, could please also Could you give in's...
3: the statistics game versus the goals? Because I know for him it's clearly very in- entertaining. Oh, give me a second here. I have
2: this, um, all seasons. Hold on. Yeah, we have the statistic. If, if...
3: just, uh, just remember, we're talking about the striker, the finisher, the person who's supposed to score goals
2: it's 120. So,
3: mano, floors is yours.
2: <laughs> It's not good. Uh, 379 <laughs> games, 78 goals scored. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs>
2: this is not good. But he has he has played for wow. Belar- he has played for Belarus 17 times.
3: And how many goals he scored? Three. Well, not
0: bad. Not bad. Well, hey boys, boys. Maybe this is his breakthrough season. <laughs> At,
3: At the age, age of 30, whatever he is.
2: Well, Andrew, you're <laughs> not wrong. This is the most goals he scored in a single season since 2012.
0: <laughs> oh, it Lord, is. That is atrocious. I mean, I, I'd honestly, I'd honestly back, um, I'd honestly back myself to score more than that at least once since 2012. But, um, I tell you, boys, look, just one other thing. Uh, one other player that's caught my eye this season so far is, um, for a slightly different team, for his lodge, um, Momo Yansane, Um, I think is is going to be one of the. One of the players to watch this season because he's mm-hmm. he's still only 22. This boy, yeah, uh, he scored three uh, for his lodge, and he he's played in other countries as well. He played in Morocco, I think it was. Um, and I think he's got enough ambition about him to. I mean, let's be honest. There will be some players who want to put themselves in the shop window. Um, unlike Mister Corville, he 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 has age on his side. He has time on his side. I uh, still only 22, and I, I'd be I'd be surprised if um a lot of the the younger players in this league are not thinking, you know, what this is a this is a golden opportunity. I'm never going to get again to get such an exclusive uh, set of attention yeah. because of the nature of you know Belou's being one of a few. So I think Momo Yan is one to uh, look out for at Isloch. Yeah, um, and, uh, eleven and him.
2: Eleven goals, three assists last year for Isloch. Um, that's pretty good. 16 goals and 39 games throughout his career for his lodge as well. And yeah, only 22. Um, Senegalese striker. No, sorry, Guinean striker. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah interesting, interesting player. So yeah, yeah, no, I mean, you, you're yeah. right. And someone like that, uh, remember Yaya Toure um, started his career in Ukraine. You never know. So you might actually see and one of. He speaks pretty good Russian. Yeah, exactly. So you might actually see with some of these players that you know we're kind of laughing about this league a little bit today. But some of these players you might actually see in some of the bigger leagues going forward. Um, especially, I'm
3: actually I'm actually curious, like if there will be a transition. We mentioned a few players who were you know uh, 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 decent on that level, and there will be interest from Russian clubs because yeah. you know obviously like the price. It will be very interesting to see how they do. Like I brought the example of Lenin Koval. Uh, which wasn't great, but like, it's curious to see.
2: Oh, absolutely. So, um, you could buy uh, Momo Yansane um, for five hundred thousand dollars. That's his current market value. Um, so yeah, and he ranks. He's, he's isn't the top. He's in the first page on transfermarkt in terms of market values. You know, the most expensively le- player in the league is uh, Michael Godet or Godetchok. For 1.3 million. So, yeah. Yeah, and Kacharidi, of course, is still there. You know, our friend, who we still don't know if he's actually gonna ever play again in that league. Um, so yeah, boys, that's pretty much it for this week. We've, we've flown through another podcast of, you know, some opinionated discussions of whether Russian football should return or not and, uh, Belarusian top flight football with, uh, some talent scouting advertising etc so the things that we sort of noticed um other than that tim i know the music scene is hit quite hard like everything else i know also that your awesome song is still our song for this podcast so maybe one more time for you to pluck it
3: exactly like still like i said a glass half full uh on this in this whole situation yeah there's no shows there's nothing is happening but at the same time I think that, uh, you know, uh, for us, it's going great. Uh, We just, uh, our song, well, not our song, the song by 1EM, but our version was included into the Football Grad intro song. That makes me super, super happy. I'm very, very excited about this. So life is still great. And thank you to everyone involved who made this happen. So great. Listen to the intro song many, many times. Sounds awesome, doesn't it? Uh, Andrew, how about you? What's going on in your life?
0: Uh, well, yeah, just carrying along. I'm, um, writing the English content for Russian Premier League website, which of course is not a huge amount at the moment, but unlike we mentioned in the pod, Russian football may be coming back in the next couple of months. So I'll be preparing for that, but at the moment, just simply, uh, keeping going, which is, which is fine for now.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have much news going on either. I mean, and, um, those who follow me know that i work full time for Transfermarkt and, um, that content can all be found on my Twitter account at ManuelV. Oh, I interviewed Rob Friend, um as actually really good interview, former Bundesliga striker, now he's the owner of Pacific FC. And it turns out he actually lives like just lives down the road from where I live, so um we're neighbors. Um so yeah, I interviewed him and um that interview is up. I interviewed Tyler Adams last week um as well. So that interview is also up on transfermarkt. So lots of stuff like that, lots of exclusive content these days because players just like us, we're all stuck at home, self quarantining, so it's a really good time to actually speak and catch up with them. So yeah, that's that's what we're doing on TransferMarkt. Um please check it out. We have actually the phone number and statistics on the Belarusian League. Um so yeah, if you wanna catch up on the Belarusian League. I actually posted a pretty pretty cool, cool graph the other day on the Twitter account. Uh so check that out as well. Well boys, that's it. For us from this week. We'll be back next week. Until then, dos vidanje.
0: Love watching live TV but are tired of your huge cable bill sling TV has the same top cable
2: channels for as little as half the price so you can save hundreds of dollars while still watching your favorite sports news reality TV and more ditch cable and get sling's total live streaming solution with free local channels setup and installation are included make the smart choice and switch to sling TV get the best of cable for the best price learn more at sling.com cut cable. That's sling.com slash cut cable. Set up an installation included with $49 down and $20 a month for 12 months. Restrictions apply.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.